Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Dom, and with me are... Tori. And Chris. Thanks for joining us again, Chris. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for helping us uh, round this out. Uh, Amada was supposed to be here. He was supposed to be back today. He was at a summer camp, I think. Yeah, and, and then he mysteriously disappeared. He sent some texts about, about snowing or something? I don't, I don't yeah, know what I heard sh- something about an aurora borealis. No, that's, mm-hmm. that can't be right. Yeah, that sounds strange. Not this far south. <laughs> in this type of year? <laughs> <laughs> Localized entirely in in model summer camp, yeah. <laughs> and so we have Chris to fill in that uh, extra void that we have. Yes. <laughs> Which is also pretty fortunate because Amato doesn't have a lot of um, Digimon experience. Yes, and we are talking about Digimon in case anybody missed last episode or missed our keen summer camp reference. <laughs> yes, uh, today we're talking about The Connection Level 1 Worlds, which is a fanfic written by A.R. Pooler. Pulver? I'm thinking about motto disease. I can't <laughs> pronounce things. It's P-U-L-V-E-R, so I think that's Pulver. R. Pulver? A.R. Pulver? A.R. Pulver. I don't know. That yeah. you can find on, on fanfiction.net. Our pulver. <laughs> you can also use our handy link, bit.ly slash rfrworlds. So this is kind of an interesting Digimon fanfic because it's an attempt to synthesize Adventure, <laughs> Adventure 2, and uh, Tabers. So I think and somewhat frontier as well into the same story. So Tori, I think you and I have been on record before talking about our Digimon past. Oh yes, yes yeah. we have. Um, In the previous fanfic that Amato picked out, yeah, that was not actually that Digimon. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, we might have a similar experience with this one. But, but the last one did have pretty good uh, discussion about Reuben sandwiches. That's mostly yeah. what I remember about it. I will say the last Digi fanfic we read, I felt like more had the tone of Digimon a little more without any Digimon being present. This at least had a couple Digimon present, but the tone was so not to me. Mm. So, well, yeah. and the character portrayals, but yeah. I feel we'll get into exactly. that. <laughs> we will. So what but does yeah. uh, Digimon mean to you, Chris? I mean, it really is one of my favorite media franchises, and I'll probably say that about every media franchise you have gone for. So I have a lot of favorites. But, I mean, in particular, it's something that I watched growing up. I watched it very extensively growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very invested in the characters and the world and the way they developed and grew, which is why I have many problems with this fan fiction. <laughs> Did you have a favorite series? Yeah, I think in particular I liked... Tamers, and at the time I didn't really know who Chiaki Konaka was, but if you don't know, he wrote Serial Experiments Lane, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of other series like Narutaru, and he wrote Digimon Tamers, which is sort of weird if you think about it as a hobby anime <laughs> with a yeah. large popular appeal. They also wrote the episode of Zero to Adventure, where they get captured by Dagon. Yeah, yes. that was what I was going to bring <laughs> up. Version, it, it, yes. I don't know how it all came about, but I feel like it started with, like, Chucky Kanaka just getting, like, on board for an episode of, of Zero Two, and then, like, 
somehow getting hired as the, or like being interested in it to be the writer for Tamers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tamers is great too because it really has that tone that like only Chiaki Kanaka can bring, but still doesn't make it super dark like Lane is, you know? Like an, an accessible dark or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of serious elements, but it still retains the themes of like my favorite part of Digimon, the lasting friendship between Digimon and these kids who still have that childlike innocence, which is pretty different from Serial yeah. Experiments and Lane and a lot of his other writings. So, yeah. Because he's pretty Lovecraft inspired and all that. Yes. Though he brings that into Tamers too, which is amazing that he's able to synthesize that. It's pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, Yamaki wrote a program called Ugoth to for, mm-hmm. start, for starters. Yeah. If you, you didn't realize there was some Lovecraft at that point, then I don't know what to tell you. But yeah, that I feel like of all of the series, Chiaki Honoka also did the best job making the Digimon as a as a species sort of alien from the humans um this sort of different type of life right right that was entirely separate and had entirely separate ideas and uh justifications for their actions from humans just kind of strange and otherworldly and alien yeah. I mean, still understandable, yeah. but with a different set of priorities and a different way of living. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you had the best, like, synthesizing of the idea that they're a computer program created by humans but have taken on their own life. Like, even that scene with, like, Gilmon in the first episode where he shows up and he's, like, freaking and kind of wild until, like, he's like, oh, it's Takato, you know? Like, yeah. That he's all cute. You don't even you don't get the initial cu- like cute phase for nothing. You first see like a scary looking dinosaur that's <laughs> totally like what is that thing? In it? Like shooting laser beams out of its mouth. Like yeah, that mean... thing looks weird. <laughs> and then it's like oh Takatomon, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, episode one of Tamers ends with like Takato really seriously afraid for his life yeah. because <laughs> Gilman just blew a hole through the side of the area that he bio-merged into. <laughs> yeah, because, like, these things are so biologically superior they can destroy metal with their breath, <laughs> which is yeah. crazy if you think about it. Personally, I think um, Frontier might be one of my favorite series. Um, with Reflection, I'm not sure it's because I think it's the best, but because, like, that was the first one I was watching before it got dubbed into English. It was the mm. first one I went out and started um, finding the fan subs of it uh, on my own. Started to feel more like a like an actual anime <laughs> than a Foxbox product. I mean, that's fair, but honestly, I think that all of the Digimon series, but particularly Tamers, four dubs, particularly for the time, were dubbed extraordinarily well. I, it's a really tricky thing to do. They they at least kept the kids in Japan, which was, at the time was pretty huge. This was at the um, yeah. shut up and eat your hamburger <laughs> time. Yeah, jelly donut. That was it. The jelly donut. Yeah, yeah. jelly donuts were actually like Gary. <laughs> but you know, I, I do think it's funny because like, it. I think we talked about this before, like about how Puppet Mon was edited from having like a toy pop gun, like a wooden pop gun. Mm-hmm. It looks nothing like a real gun. 
And they just like had a, they was like, I have to scratch my leg. It's made of poison oak. It's like, (laughs) ha ha ha. They threw in all of these jokes. So you still had that same sense of like this, like late nineties, early two thousands dubbing style that just made everything like trying to make it a little more humor and a little less violent for American audiences. Mm. Just a Mm. little smidge. And I I mean, but they, they, the jokes they added were hilarious to me at the time. And I'll still watch the dub because there's a lot of, like, stuff where I'm like, that's cute. You know, like, (laughs) they've made it pretty cute. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, Yeah, the, like you said, I think that they did add a lot of that, um, a practice that I really hate, but they actually did a decent job with it where they'll add in jokes because apparently children have such a low attention span that they can't sit through five seconds of silence or read a facial expression off of a character in order to understand what's going on. Um, but in spite of that, like you said, uh, the, the additions that they put in were in character. They were well-written and oftentimes they were quite funny. Yeah. They were working with these restrictions placed on them by like, you know, television laws, basically. Yeah, and they did the best they could. Children's television laws. Yeah. Which were different from country to country, time to time. Yeah. I'm trying to adapt them, the two of them. Like, they couldn't mention uh, TK's and Matt's parents being divorced or something like that. So they did this really... Con- we talked about this before on air, That sounds we? like a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think we, talk- we had this exact same conversation because <laughs> I'm remembering the Puppet Mon thing. But yeah, for anybody who didn't listen to the other one, like, it's something about how they are somehow half-brothers and or step-brother no they're half-brothers they were half-siblings or something they're half-siblings somehow but there's still the relationship between their parents still somehow behaves like divorced people it doesn't and they're still <laughs> I don't I don't, I don't actually made, recall that it's been a while since I watched it, the adventure dub uh I watched the Tamers dub much more recently and uh it holds up much better, I think. I think they make that they're half-siblings, but they still somehow have the same mom and the same dad. Like, where TK would still, like, be like, Mom, Dad, and Matt would be like, Mom, Dad. You know, you'd be like, how are they half-siblings? I think in but, one one of them, one version, they were step-siblings, and another step, one, they were half-siblings. Yeah. I just, forgot which one was more offensive to American audiences at the time. Uh, <laughs> was uh, Tamers your favorite also, Tori? Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much when I was growing up Tamer's probably in I think I was probably 11 I was definitely 11 when Adventure came out because I was as old as like you know Ty and Matt and Sora so that stuck with me and Tamer's came out a couple years later and that was had all this stuff that like was so much more intense and in some ways adult but also just more cerebral And that really struck me. Like, it was very, like, artistic. Like, I felt like the cinematography and the... was impactful and the emotions were very intense being portrayed. Like, Jerry losing Leoman, you know? Like, such emotional intensity, but without being beyond the range of what, like, a preteen or early teenager could understand. So at the time, yeah, totally my favorite. Still, I think, best done of the series. But I am... I've kind of, like, reverted in a certain sense where I really like the nostalgic factor of adventure. Like, no, I don't think it's the best done, but 
there's so many like components of just like pure friendship between the Digimon and their chosen partner that really appealed to me. While this may seem like we're trying to um, chew up time by talking about different tangents, this actually is a little bit relevant because... Just a little bit. One of the themes of this fanfiction is trying to unite all the different... Um, not all the different, but at, at least the first four... First four... First four series' continuities together. Yes, it, and they do this in a really odd way. I don't know if we're, we're going to talk about that just yet. But. Well, so just to reiterate, this is... Um, What's this called exactly? <laughs> uh, uh, level one worlds. It's called something level one worlds. Yeah, level one worlds, which is like a book one of a three part series. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the three part series in total is called the connection. The connection. Okay. Yes. So this is a connection book one worlds, or level one. Level, level one. Yeah. I, I don't really like it when they do their own conventions for the names and chapters. It throws me yeah. off so much. Yeah. Well, and this one does it a lot. They do. First of all, they they have chapters, mm-hmm. but then the entire they have eight chapters in this first stage that they call level one, and then maybe stage was the wrong choice of words because after that they will start <laughs> in inside their chapter they will say stage one, and that is so like each or maybe that's each chapter yeah each chapter is called a stage and the entire thing is called a level and I believe there are three total levels we only read the first one entitled worlds yes. Which so, has eight stages in it. Eight stages, yes. However, it still says chapter one and... Oh, no, it's... Okay, I see. I see the labels are from <laughs> fanfiction.net. That's why it's confusing. So, yes, yeah, stage one is called ending. Okay. Do we want to talk about a basic uh, outline what happens in the show? Normally, we lean pretty heavily on a motto for the sort of thing, but I think we can piece it together. <laughs> we can piece it together. Yeah, we did have, you know, um, kind of a last-minute change of plans, so we're going to do our best... I- best we can to stick with the outline stage one is interesting like there's a lot of information i feel that was presented in this that i didn't fully get but it starts by saying takato matsuki was not meant for this world that much was clear (laughs) and then they kind of go through like this backstory for takato that's happened over the last two years since the end of tamers isn't that kind of how a christmas story christmas carol starts Bob Marley was dead. For that, you were sh- you can be sure. Something like that. Something like... But, yeah. But I feel like something else starts even more closely to that. Like... Yeah. Something... Someone was not meant for this world. Like, I don't know. It also starts off with a little pre-roll where it talks about how in 2003, um... Malo... Malo... Malamormon. <laughs> that one, Yeah was defeated. Um, 2003, real world was fully exposed to the digital world. 2003, the world's population attained the status of digi-destined. In 2003, each person on Earth became partners with the Digimon. So this is talking about the ending of Zero Two. Yes. And I guess that's because the author is trying to create a tie-in for this whole world. Because it's weird they talk about the end of Zero Two and then start with Takato in a completely different world, right. theoretically. Because at the end of Zero Two, they it, they had completely, um, I think in fiction called lifted the veil, where everybody knew knew the secret. Everybody knows about Digimon. Everybody mm-hmm. has a Digimon. It was on the news. And then after that, they extrapolated into the future, where like uh, they work at the UN. <laughs> and stuff. Mm-hmm. A, a whole <laughs> like Digimon uh, ambassador, yeah, yeah, epilogue of various degrees of ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. 
so right off the bat, going from the end of Zero Two to um, Digimon Tamers is a bit jarring because Tamers is supposed to be in a setting where Digimon was originally a, a, a fiction, a story. So it kind of implies that this global event happened, then they fictionalized it, then everybody forgot about it. Right? I'd, I never thought that was the implication. I just thought Tamers took place in a different world. But the author seems to take the implication that... Because, like, in yeah. Zero Two, if, like, everybody's aware of Digimon, Digimon are working in the UN, how come nobody in Tamers thinks Digimon are real? I just am, thought it was in a different world entirely. Yeah, so if we're going to rely entirely on what's canon in the series for a second and, mm-hmm. and talk about this, like, there is a very small amount of crossover between... Mm-hmm. That is that is a connection between the first two seasons and Tamers. Yeah. And mostly in the case of the character Ryo Akiyama. And that's only if you played the Wonderswan games oh for the God. Digimon series. Yeah. Which I don't not even sure were released in the West. No, they weren't. And and this is like really tangential because a lot of the the crossover that happens is sort of just like, I don't know, almost Easter egg-ish. Like, you know this person from this, so you'll also know this person from this. Like, was, that, was that where a uh, Ryo guy was from? The, the, the great tamer, Ryo? Yeah, Ryo, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. From the Wonder Swan game. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really more like a fan connection, I feel, than it is any sort of like literal connection in a lot of ways. I always felt that there was some implication that this was the same character and that somehow he had managed to get to the Tamers universe from the Adventure universe. But but I never felt that that meant that the two universes were the same. No, because they can't be. Because in Takato's universe, like, Digimon has been, is a card game that comes to life. And we're not really sure, like, Wait, are we... There's an implication that the card game was manufactured based off of the manufacturers who originally created Digimon, right? Like... So the... Or the, um, the, the programmers who canon created Digimon, explanation right? is that the monster makers started a program which created the Digimon. Mm-hmm. Their funding got shut down, and they scrapped the project but they sort of sold the rights of it to toy and card exactly. manufacturers. And they utilized those ideas and that concept in the creation of the Digimon video games, the Digimon right. TV show, which yeah. exists in and the And then and at some point, like, digital energy starts leaking into the real world, and that's how Gilmon is created and Takato's card slider, which has access to the internet one presumes, is able to, like, turn into a Digivice because right. that happens. There's a lot of um, overlap right? between, like, the real world. Well, I mean, the reason that Takata's card reader turns into a D-Arc is because it he slashes a blue card through it. Mm. That utilizes the power of the Diginomes, yes. which Grant wishes in order to grant his wish to have a Digimon. Yes, yeah. And they never really explain much about the Diginomes, but at least they create a reason for this thing. But yeah, it just seems really unlikely that the worlds from Adventure and Tamers are connected. So the fanfic starts starts out with the end of Zero Two, and then kind of talks about the aftermath of uh, Tamers, I think. Yes. Uh, well, it's, it, isn't it start two years after? And then it goes into January 20 XT5. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not XDX, XD5. I know 
this doesn't make a lot of sense because they also start referring to like... Yeah, it's good that we've uh, started mentioning the weird way in which <laughs> they talk about dates early on here because that was incredibly suspicious. Well, because like that started. so many weird dates throughout this, like people just say that, that like the thing of 27 and you're just like 27 what? And then you start to realize they be the year 2027. Yeah, the year 2027. And you're like, I had no idea that we were that far in the future. Like, what? Like, it doesn't... Because the ages of the characters don't match up because some of the characters have stayed in the digi world. And we'll get to that. But it's just very frustrating. But just yes. to clarify, the date's written January 20X5. And dates are written like that throughout the fic. X number. So you don't but know... But only what... when we're referencing tamers era right and what's going on in what we would consider to be the the tamers universe which is weird because like just a couple of paragraphs before they they say 2003 yeah but they're taught that's a different universe right so we're supposed to believe i don't think i, I don't remember them saying different universes <sighs> this is the frustrating i mean there's no possible way in my opinion, the Tamers can take place in the same universe that Digimon Adventure does. It wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> I feel Especially like if this is a discussion for later on in the like fan fiction era, when yeah. the people who are listening understand <laughs> all of the details of this fan fiction yeah. as we know them about what little tangential connection they've made between the Tamers universe and the Adventure universe. Okay, I thought it'd be a good preference to say that it doesn't make sense, but all right, we'll go well, through it now. We're, we're, <laughs> only couple, we're only a couple paragraphs into the fanfic. Let's let's go through them. <laughs> so it starts off with um, Takato being in a fire, getting out okay. Takato's parents dying. Uh, that's just a thing that happens. Yeah, they just started off like that. Like, let's kill off our main characters, both of their parents, because that sounds like fun. Yeah, and then of course, according to. Um, a surprisingly common Japanese convention, none of Takato's relatives want to take care of Takato at all, so it just kind of leaves them to their own devices, I guess. They end up moving to Okinawa. Uh, they have a... Oh, yeah. Takato moves to Okinawa because he has a cousin in Okinawa. Yes, oh. which gets so, mentioned in the series. Yeah. This is a yeah, one, of the, one of the movies. Largely in the movie, he does show up in the series very briefly, Kai. People, it's, Kai it's been yeah. a long time since I've seen Tamers. I can't remember anybody's name. Yeah, yeah. He has a cousin named Kai who is the main feature of Hurricane... Is that the one? It, it's like... It's either the yes. first or second. The second Tamers movie is the train one, and the first yeah. one is Hurricane Touchdown. Hurricane yes. Touchdown. That's yeah, the one it would that be the first in. Tamers movie. I'm forgetting the name off the top of my head, but I believe you. Yeah, I think it's Hurricane <laughs> Touchdown. Anyway, that would okay. be the translation. But yeah, very so, prominent. And so we're presume presuming that he's going to live with his cousin and his cousin's what it was his cousin's grandfather taking care of him. I can't remember specifically. Yeah, anime kids and Disney kids. None of their parents ever survive anything. It's tragic. I know, really. <laughs> So Takato go moves to Okinawa, doesn't form a relationship with Jerry, <laughs> kind of. Oh yeah, this is really weird. Like he leaves Jerry, and they were kind of date. They were definitely dating because she says he's her boyfriend. Okay. Um, but after Takato leaves, like then Jerry meets this guy named Terry. <laughs> Jerry meets Terry. You will notice how I was trying very hard not to laugh at that. Terry, of all the names they could have picked, 
Terry. Could've and they, they're still in Japan, by the way. Could have been Carrie. It's, yeah. uh... Yeah, or Gary. <laughs> or Gary. Or Larry. Mary. <laughs> Larry. Mary. Gary? No, that's a type of food. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and so there's a little subplot with Jerry, and that is that Terry asks her to go to the dance, to go to the festival with him, mm. and she's like, "I have a boyfriend." He's like, and it's there's a line that's like really funny. It's like, "Luckily, Terry had done his homework and he already knew this." It's like, what? So he says, "Like, go with me anyway because your boyfriend's in Okinawa," and apparently, oh, that makes it fine. <laughs> so Terry steals Takato's girl. Yeah, that makes it fine after asking the person and them saying no in the first place. You know, you yeah. should keep on being persistent, you know, even if they have a significant other and, and even if they say no. Totally, absolutely. <laughs> and, and and be prepared if they have a boyfriend to be like, oh, it'd be just his friends to try to weasel their way into their lives. And then Terry does do that mm-hmm. and becomes friends with the entire friend group trying to replace Takato. And yet in this entire fanfic, Terry is never actually a relevant character to anything in the plot. I was convinced that was a character from the show I'd forgotten. Oh my god, no. This was... The author made this character up, and it had no relevance to anything because shortly after this, um, Takato enters the digital world, and we don't see much well, of what happens in the real world. It's relevant that. because Jerry tells Takato what's going on, that maybe Jerry likes Terry... And that makes Takatos leave this world altogether. Which is the first of many instances in which Takato acts ridiculously and entirely out of character. I mean, out of character. Correct. They are supposed to be 15 at this point, but still pretty out of character, I think. Yeah. I mean, well, Takato's really been fairly independent throughout the series, and that's only developed as the series went on. I mean... He really, really doesn't strike me as the sort of person that would anchor his entire self-worth on a relationship. That's Um, just incredibly unhealthy, and, like, for a fairly well-developed character that Takato is at the end of the series, seems very strange. There is one thing I wanted to say around that, is that, like, what the author did is... Make Takato suffer not only the loss of Gilmon, like the potential of never seeing Gilmon again, even though at the end of Tamers he discovers the portal. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, we should talk about that because it gets mentioned in this first, well, one of the first two episodes, but or, uh, we first will. two. But then episodes. makes him suffer the loss of both of his parents, a traumatic fire. And so to me, that may justify what the author perceives as a market, or we as an audience perceive as a market character change for him. However, I don't think that's an excuse because it seems like the author just used that traumatic event, put it in there for no reason, and only justify, like, Takato not acting like himself. And that's weird. So I just don't I mean, agree with that narrative don't get me. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I can understand that this is a, a horrifying experience for anyone to go through. And that that would have a terrible effect on on someone. But that just, like, the fundamental, like, one of the fundamental qualities of Takato as a character is his willingness to, like, make his own way in the world. Like, he creates Gilman. He 
is the first one to say we should go to the digital world in order to rescue Kalamon. He is always the first to have like an idea. Like he formulates the idea that all of the tamers should get together in a team. He's a very independent person. Also, I'd have to say, like, any Digimon character, I mean, especially the goggles-wearing leader of any particular group, is mostly about connections and being with other people and working through things. And this is sort of the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. The severing connections and moving yeah. on. I mean, the first hint of what I actually didn't like about this fan fiction was how much Digimon is about friendship, mm-hmm. communication, building strong relationships, especially with your Digimon partner. And how much this fan fiction seemed to focus more on how those relationships break down. Okay. So that was stage one ending, which was the first stage of level one of... Okay. Yeah. And you have stage two, which is missing. And the entirety of it is, uh, oh no, Takato's missing. Where'd he go? Uh, Takato's in the digital world, sees an old guy. Turns out it's Takeru, um, TK. And that's basically pretty much everything that happens in chapter two. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think and we get that flashback to uh, why the portal wasn't used earlier in this chapter as well. That might have been in chapter one as well. Uh, I don't quite remember. But I think that that's probably worth discussing because it's a another, another instance in which Takato acts entirely, in my opinion, at least out of character. <laughs> I don't remember that part. Uh, there's just a, a brief scene in which uh, Yamaki and some of the monster makers talk to the tamers about how the Digi-World is unstable. And it's a very, like, bad explanation in that it really doesn't justify any of its reasoning. And that because the Digimon world is unstable, they can't go to the digi- digital world and go see their partners. Right. They say, even if it was safe or even possible to send you to the digital world again, we exhausted too much of our resources to bring you children back last time. We can't afford to do it a second time. Do you understand? And Takato raises their hand to see something and then says, N- never mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing that he doesn't talk about is the portal to the digital world that he found which i mean i feel like they went to the digital world the first time without necessarily having the expectation that they would have someone else save them and bring them back like there were potentially ways for them to get back on their own in addition to a lot of other reasons why this doesn't seem like a terribly good justification for these people not going to the digital world and seeing their best friends. (laughs) It's a little strange, like, that Takato hasn't used this portal until he loses everything that he feels connects him to the real world, except for a couple of his very close friends. But I guess because Terry... To tell about this portal. (laughs) Exactly. I... It seems like the author was trying to reach for the fact that he... I realize he knows Terry. Terry's now to be kind of swooping in on his, on his girl and, like, replacing him. And so that's, like, abstractly justification for leaving. But they don't say that out loud, and it doesn't actually make a lot of, make a lot of sense for Takato's character. And 
even for the other characters. And then weird thing about this chapter is like the first moment is just a bunch of character beats between Henry and Jerry and Rika and Terry. And it makes it seem like Terry is replacing Takato in the group, but like not in any way that Takato knows about. So it just seems very unnecessary and like not like any of the characters. It's just very weird. Yeah, there is a whole conversation in this stage in which all of the characters seem pretty decently out of character and they're sort of like banter with one another. I can't say that any of the characters in this fanfiction ever seem in character. <laughs> That's another thing I wanted to point to is that when Takato enters the digital world, he's saved by TK, who is now in his mid-30s, I think. Adult something. Yeah. yeah. They mention later that he, because they don't age in the digital world, he'll never see 40, but that Matt has already reached 40, so, and since they're, like, what, three years apart, he must be in his late 30s. That's my assumption. Mm. So, anyway, yes, he's much older than the last time we saw TK. Fine. But he acts really standoffish and kind of dickish and, like, kind of cold to this kid that he, like, just met in this world who's, like, literally a kid. And I just don't see that in, like, the personality of the original TK at all to be, like, as... There's, like, something specifically that Takato feels is, like, very distancing, you know, like, or very cold. Um, Well, pretty much everything about the way that TK treats Takato, especially at this part, um, sort of where he... uh, kills this, uh, was it a big mom that was attacking Takato? And Something then like sort of that, like... Yeah. Wait, wait, was sort that, the, of... that the one he shot with a shotgun? Yes. 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 <laughs> as, as TK is known to do. As yeah. they... And then uh, leads Dramogimon. Takato back to their Dramogamon, yeah. Dramogamon, sure. And then after that, TK... And he shoots with a shotgun, yeah. Yeah. And then we have um, stage three, Paradise, where we get uh, TK taking Takato back to the house where they live the other digidestined you get some conversation between Takata and TK and Kairi? Kari? Kari? Kari it's been too long since I've seen the dub yeah it's just Hikari but with just the Kari part yeah I was trying to (laughs) piece it through and then of course you have the start of this chapter you have the in 2004 and 2005 Mm. part which is in 2004, the original DG Dustin formed the Digital Activity Advisory Board. In 2005, the United Nations recognized the digital world as a sovereign state. Hmm. In 2005, the digital world was appointed a representative in the UN General Assembly. An American, Howard Fisher, was selected as a representative by the DAB. So, and this is what truly, like, confirms the discrepancy in the worlds, because... Of all the X's that could have been present mm-hmm. in the 20X5 of Takato's reality when he decided to enter the digital world, mm-hmm. 2005 would have been the earliest, correct? And it's possible with 20XT5, yeah. Yeah, that would have been the earliest possible one, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, this Assuming says... Assuming that there isn't some other sort of trickery non-fuckery going but that's on what i'm trying to say is that this is the point where you have to like see that there's they're either different universes or yeah some other trickery because it says in 2005 the united nations recognizes additional worlds and like i guess i mean i guess maybe that could have happened in takato's universe 
Actually, I'm reconsidering because I guess this is past two years past the events of Tamers, so now I'm reconsidering. Well, the thing is that the dates are done not well <laughs> because yeah. 20x5 could be 2005 could also be 2015 or 2025 they're trying to make it ambiguous because they're trying to create a connection between all these things but it's so weird well we'll get to that and also well, the forest well, cabin they get taken to was established in 2009 yes it's ah, very clear yes. in the series and especially in the author notes that the author just doesn't want you to know certain things mm-hmm. for effectively no reason oh yeah was it we will in... get to that very shortly, but there's a lot of things that, like, yes. people know, and they do not tell to other people for basically no reason. In the author notes for either the chapter chapter three that we're on or the chapter before, the author specifically states, these are all the things that I, like, I haven't explained almost anything, but don't worry, in the next, like, five chapters we'll get to them. It's, like, a little bit, like, justifying that your <clears throat> your own work, it feels a little bit... It, it felt even more, uh, like, I guess, arrogant than that to me. Like, at one point he describes his work of, or their work of fiction as a mind screw. Yeah. At several points, actually. And it doesn't, like... Yeah. It's uh, not screwy it's not <laughs> it's not a twist yes no it just doesn't it's, make it's a just lot of sense a puzzle yeah. that's missing half of its pieces there's nothing like confusing or difficult about that there are just many possible explanations yeah there are many possible explanations and none of them to me are very interesting like if the author were to give me some clues to a very interesting explanation i would have liked this fan fiction a lot more that is fair. So chapter three, or state, chapter Stage three, three. <laughs> TK, they meet TK, they get back to the 2009 established forest station, they meet Hikari, <laughs> um, and they're all adults and they yell at each other, and they they also meet um, Cody, who was nine. Yeah. And the author fails to explain why somehow Cody is nine, despite everyone else being in their 30s, or late 30s, early 40s. They just don't explain that in this chapter. They also mentioned that TK was, um, is an author who writes about yes. the digital world, which is where all the uh, fiction in Tamers is supposed to be based off of. So, yeah, that's what they came up with, is that apparently in Takato's universe, there is a... This is what these people assume, and we're not even sure this is actually true. An anime is made mm-hmm. out of TK's books that are actually about the real-life experiences. And that presumably is the adventure anime that we watch... But apparently, in the Tamers universe, it exists as well, I presume. And But it was represented as work of fiction. And that's why no one thought it was real, even though Takato knows that Digimon are real. So it probably would have had a clue that that might have been real, but whatever. Yeah, I think at this point, it's, it's clear that something weird is happening between... Tamers taking place and adventure taking place because like obviously there would be no reason why like even in a world where no one spoke about Digimon in spite of the fact that they knew that they were real there would be no way that there wouldn't be some of that bleeding into the narrative of Tamers that we knew mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I and mean, actually the first weird thing that comes up is that when they realize his name is Takato Matsuki, Tika is like, you're not serious. Like, they think his parents are, like, fans of his own book because he apparently created a character named Takato Matsuki 
and Aya and Mako, who are the twins who have Impmon as a Digimon. Except in TK's story, they don't have Impmon, they have a different Digimon. But anyway, and they're older, and they're into Takato, and it's a bunch of weird stuff that's, like, very different from the real worlds. Well, that, the, the I mean, Tamers sorry, universe. Sorry, from the Tamers universe is what I meant to say. But they're all in TK's books of, like, quote-unquote fiction. Like, Takato Matsuki is a character in his books. And yes. you just, you don't really get a lead into why this is true. Like, they're both fictional in their own yeah. universes, but the bizarre part is that Takato is fictional in TK's universe, but because TK thought of him as a character. I'm still not sure they say different universes. It's, I think you, it's a, You get some hints at, like, what actually might be going on way later. And some of but this... it should be, like, it's very clear at this point to Takato that something weird is going on because he knows that he's not a fictional character in a book. Holy and sad. that, like, obviously the real I and Mako aren't the, the, same the, age the ones him. that he knows yeah, aren't or... that age and are different in certain ways. So something very weird is clearly going on to him. And to some extent, I can understand him not mentioning this right now because he's already viewed as pretty suspicious by the characters that are around, particularly TK. Yeah. But yes, however he fails as to we'll see, it, yeah. he fails to mention this for like an excessively years. long time. Literally two years in which he comes to trust these people. He doesn't ever mention these things. So Yeah. Very well. And... In a similar vein, none of the adventure characters really talk about their world at all with Takato and all of the, like, inherent contradictions that that would bring about in Takato's view of the world. They mention a few things, but none of the things that would really... He <laughs> reads TK's books, which presumably have a lot of the information. But yeah, they don't speak with him very often. It's quite strange. Didn't one of the author's notes talking about this was trying to bring all the continuities together? Yes. Somehow, in some way or other. But you don't know how, because to me, it doesn't seem possible that these people could exist in the same universe without having altered memories in some sense. And You might for, be writing more than, it's, than is there. <laughs> You might be inventing more stuff than, than the author meant to. I be, like, all I'm saying is it's not possible for them to exist in the no, same I, I agree. Universe, right? <laughs> like, there's nothing more to say about that, is that it's just not possible. No, like, I, I agree. I'm not sure that was the author's intent. But how could it not be? Because, like, you think the author just wrote something that was, like, very literally, clearly impossible for no reason, or... Stuff happens. So... Again, this gets touched on a little bit more a little bit later, and that might be a better point to mention it, but we do yeah. get sort of, like, hints at what's going on in the Digimon Adventure world into the future of, mm. of Digimon Adventure. And some of that, some things that are mentioned in particularly, like, it gets very briefly mentioned, but uh, ideas like that there are other virtual worlds that have been set up ah. and that the government has some ability to alter people's memories in the future yes. of the adventure timeline. The author provides us with way more possible explanations for the scenario than we ever would have needed. Like, we can think up all of these ideas and the author's just like, oh, by the way, 
let me introduce something else that could lead you down a different path. It becomes really convoluted, in my opinion. I don't know if it's convoluted, but I definitely agree that it's unclear. Like, it's just that we don't have a lot of, de- like, solid evidence. There are yep. too many possible options. And we exactly. can think of all of the possible options. They're very easy to figure out, as at least as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but it's just not fun. There's not... It's not fun if you don't think there's actually a solution. Right. The There's also a lot of intentional opacity. Like I said, the characters just not talking to one another about things which would reveal, like, at least until very near the end of the fiction where this, the, this starts to happen. But it should have happened way earlier. It should have happened immediately. There's yeah. like a couple, and it isn't. A couple of plot points where they just don't tell Takato for a while because... Yeah, and there's never really an explanation. <laughs> it's very bizarre. Like, a lot of it is, like, mistrust. Oh, yeah, and I don't know if we really mentioned, like, it is implied that... Oh, it, I think it becomes clear that... Uh, early on, it's implied that the people who have been living there, which are... The season, Joe, season one Digidestin. Not all of them. It's Joe, Sora, TK, and Kari. And Izzy is there and somewhere Matt. in the world. And Matt. Oh, and Matt. Yeah. Sorry, and Matt. Sorry. But yes, those five. And then Izzy is somewhere in the world. And Ty and Mimi are meh. And Davis and Yoli are meh. And Cody's there, but he's nine. And we get an explanation for that later. I think they were in their world. They weren't stuck in the digital world. Yes. And then we get the answer that they are actually stuck here. Hmm. But I don't know if it's ever explained why they are stuck. They sealed it in order to keep the They dark. sealed the gate, that's right. In order to keep a daemon from... Actually, in the real they, world. Is I right? don't think they make it entirely clear why the gate has been sealed. Actually, they do talk about how before anybody could go to the digital world, then everybody did it. In order to regulate it, they yes. slowed it down, and then eventually they sealed it. Yeah, yeah. that is but as they much don't of an explanation bring that as up until it. like chapter six or so. So, like, we have so little backstory for these characters. They just kind of persist as they are, and none of the characters continue to act as themselves. And I think the funniest part is that at the start of chapter four, if we already get to that, we all of a sudden get this conversation between. R-K-N-G-E-L, which is Archangel, one assumes, like a chat conversation. Mm-hmm. And then Rena something in... Uh, Yagami and Hiragana. Yeah, so... It's... And then... This is so... Uh, did, did anyone make sense of the conversation at the start of chapter four? I don't know who prison? these people are supposed to be. Well, Archangel is, you know, a reference to Archangel. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not sure either. So it is sort of obliquely inferable that these are people that are in the adventures world who have a port and way of seeing into the digital world. Mm. That is about the limitations of our knowledge about them, at least until very near the end of the fan fiction. Um, But you can draw a couple more hints about their character. 
in that conversation, it's mentioned that they're looking into the digital world and into the um, adventure where the adventure characters are staying. Um, they know something about who Takato is, which is more than we get out of the other characters. We know that the character Rena Yagami, who goes by the name Rena Yagami, has some connection to someone who is supposedly dead. Yeah. That is one of the characters that is in the digital world. And we do eventually get a fairly obvious clue about who that might be. But that hasn't come up yet, so at the time of you reading this and reading through the fanfiction, I mean, this is about as clear as mud. Right. It is, yeah. And it just, to me, like, even looking back on this, I am totally confused. Because you jump from that, and then you jump into the idea of these chosen, the original chosen kids, not all of them, but some of them, mm -hmm. and then Cody from zero to, but as a nine-year-old, even though everyone else is in their 30s and 40s, with Takato are doing some sort of mission. And yet, and then Goemon is there, and Biomon is there, and Vimon is there. And you're like, oh, Digimon are actually here that aren't aggressive, because you haven't seen them until halfway through the fan fiction. And yet, when they become participants, they're present, they fight, and then they speak, like, a line of text and dialogue, and then they're gone. They never say more than two lines of dialogue at a yeah. time. And there's, like, one time when they're not doing that while fighting. And it's really frustrating because it was their complaint about our last Digimon fanfiction that there were no Digimon. I mean, I... And yet again, I'm sorry, Amato, but you fucked up again. Amato, you fucked us. You gave us a fanfiction <laughs> where Digimon are not present. I mean, we know you don't know Digimon, but come on. Seriously. Come on. Half of the cast is Digimon. We said this before. I'm saying it again. Digimon are not present in this. And it's pretty sad because... It takes away, like, the purity of the friendship that is so important in the original show. We're, we're sorry, Amato. We don't mean it. Come back. Leave yeah. Right. Oh, wait. Amato's not going to hear this before we see him, I guess. Oh, yeah, so yeah. We can we'll, apologize. We'll just tell him everything's fine. Yeah. We, yeah. So that's basically a lot of the major things that happened in the first few chapters, excepting a weird um, cabin decision they make whether or not to kill Takis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that... <laughs> was something that we sort of skimmed over because we started getting into chapter four, but in the third and end of the third chapter, they actually vote whether or not they should allow Takato to stay with them and help. And uh, I guess the only like defense of some of the characters actions is that this kid's kind of suspicious and doesn't know things about the world but that he really should. But honestly, like, some characters really hold the idiot ball as far, far as morality <laughs> is concerned when this conversation comes up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where, like, they know for sure that if they don't accept him into their group, he will go out and immediately be killed by Rogue Digimon. And yet some characters, they have to have a two-thirds majority. They establish they have this, like, interesting democracy of the group that minor decisions are majority rule, but important decisions are two-thirds. And they eventually get a two-thirds on keeping Takata with them. But there are a few characters who vote to just send him away, which just... 
It rings so untrue for like anybody in this universe, right? Like any of these characters Um, you love. Yeah, Yeah, in specific, TK, who was the most suspicious of him, votes against, and both Matt and Joe abstain, which I guess in this system means they vote half for each. Uh, Yeah, I guess. (laughs) It's just bizarre. And TK is, to me, like has acted the most jerkish at this point. Also, yeah, I mean, like, he to remind everyone jerk, about like, TK's character he was always from nice. Adventure, like, yeah. he's got the crust of hope, guys. Yeah, he was always really <laughs> sweet. Like, he was a sweet little kid, then he gets a little older, and he was still, like, very, like, understanding and forgiving. Even with that whole thing with, like, you know, when they get a little older and there's almost a love triangle with Davis and Kari and himself, he's definitely the more, like, respectful, abstaining, less pressuring party, and yet this is... Well, I think it's just proved that once you turn 30, all, all hope dies. I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I get the feeling uh, with how, how come, uh, out of, horribly out of character all of the... Uh, especially the adventure character. Well, yeah. How come uh, Patamon can still digivolve to Angemon if the Crest of Hope is dead? Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe, like, there's a vault to divorce Dadamon or something. <laughs> Where's a Hawaiian shirt? Loves Jimmy Buffett. Oh, God. We're going to try to power through the rest of it as best we can in order to get through the rest of the story. That covers yeah. the majority of the beginning. After that, um, uh, they spend a lot of time with the new, with the old Digi Dustin and kind of yeah. learn how shitty their lives have been. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first thing that happens is that um, Takato wants to find Gilmon, but because obviously Gilmon was Takato's creation, they have no record of Gilmon. So then Takato just stays with them. Well, not only that, apparently they have a detector and he doesn't show he doesn't up show in the, the digital world. However, yeah. this like doesn't seem like the sort of thing that would actually deter Takato in the long list of things that are out of character for Takato. That's actually a really like, good point. Yeah. yeah he- yeah, Takata seems pretty nonplussed by the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, seriously, really, presumably, one of the very major reasons he went into the digital world, and it's fairly well established that even for this horrifyingly out-of-character version of Takato, the main reason he went here was to find Gilmon. Yeah. And, and yet, he just doesn't? He just doesn't. Like, he barely even looks for him as far as we know. And it seems like this is kind of like, chapter four, I feel like it's the t- chapter of disappointment. Like, because you see... Because the first thing Wait, you get... Wait, the first three chapters weren't the chapters of disappointment? It's the chapter... It's the biggest one of, like, pure, like, senses of disappointment. Because I feel like the author was going for something, and that was creating realism in this. Like, a not... And for them, that meant not just, like, pure, you know, kiddish, like, hopes and dreams... They explained that Matt really wanted to be a rock star, but his band kind of sucked and they fell apart. And, like, you never get that impression from the series, but they're like, oh, in the series they made it a lot more hopeful. But, like, the reason I became an astronaut was, like, kind of coincidence and, like, not because, like, I was actually skilled. And, like, they just explain a lot of things as if they're just but, like, practical as rather than being, like, the kind of fun and interesting things they were in the actual series. Like, that sentiment takes up most of that chapter and the ne- and also the next chapter, which, by the way, was called Sex and Freaked Me the Fuck uh, Out. Like, oh, that man. chapter, yeah. It was mostly yes. about how poor all the adults' relationships were. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, don't Long worry, short, as yeah. many problems as we've had with this series up until this point, we're going to have plenty more going on. We, 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 might, just we might, might just happen to come back to that. Uh, meanwhile, there's hints about... Um, is he doing weird stuff or being weird someplace else? Yeah, because he's not with them, but he's in the digital world somewhere. And, and no one mentions why. 
They say yes. that there was something that happened, and they don't say what. Um, and then, um, because they need to pull their own weight, the old Digidestin makes them um, learn how to fight rogue Digimon in order to keep the peace. With shotguns? Not with a shotgun. They use from a distance. They use a rifle, I think. Oh, rifle, yeah. My bad. Yeah. I don't know anything about guns. Well, shotguns are decently oh. effective at a distance anyways, but they do say that it's... They largely just refer to it as a gun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, shotguns are also a, a type of rifle. Rifles just and stock. Then, Never mind. <laughs> there's another technical thing that they've mentioned in Chapter 4, which is they have a sync rate. It's not like an Ava thing between <coughs> Digimon and their partners. Mm-hmm. And I wish that, this were an Ava thing. It seems a lot less interesting. Yeah, but like it's what allows the Digimon to Digivolve is they're able to measure their sync rate with their Digimon. And I think they say it takes at least a 300 for it a Digimon. It takes 100 to, in order to go to an adult level. Okay. At a regular basis, a champion as, well. as yeah. they they use the American lingo, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then like I don't remember what the three hundred was for, but for mega, it's for mega. Okay. a hundred per level. Got it, hundred per level. Assuming they start at the um, rookie level, as it is called in English, and they use the the dub terminology. Um, and the first thing that occurs with that is that Takato and Vimon sync rate is measured together, and they start in an eighty eight which they say is very high for a human who doesn't really know this particular Digimon. And, and also, Vimon isn't their partner. doesn't say more than two lines at a time. Yeah. Yeah, I think we mentioned that, that the Vimon is there, but doesn't even seem really present. So they yeah. go out on well, I mean, he's about the most present of all of the Digimon. He at least has Correct. a couple of out-of-combat lines. <laughs> so, so they uh, take Takato out on some peacekeeping missions, and... Izzy's doing mysterious stuff in the background. Yep. And yeah, meanwhile, so you get different weird reveals. Like, Cody is actually a Digimon because well, Cody died in the digital world and got reincarnated as an egg, and that's just okay. <laughs> yeah, and they reveal more about how that happens later, but I won't get to that just now since we're going to go beat by beat. But yeah, that he is, uh, they mention hybrid because I guess if humans die in the digital world, they can be reincarnated. But only once. So So Daemon you know. is also coming back. That's a, a threat that's reemerging. Izzy's being more mysterious and weirdly dark. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we got to the part where I, I actually haven't read the last two. So that's about where I end off. Yeah, so in um, stage five sex, that was really interesting because we... We passed that. <laughs> yeah, I know. We see well, a lot we, of failed mm-hmm. relationships. But um, yes. there is a thing that... Was it in 7 that it came up? Izzy came up again? Uh, Izzy comes up again in 7. He gets sort of introduced as, as a character from, I guess, I guess Takato's our, point, our only real point of view character because we don't really know anything that happened. There were like a lot of what happened to the adventure characters. That's a good um, point. Takato meets Izzy in, in chapter yeah. 7. Okay. Um, it's really introduced Kind of coincidentally, this is... This is a part, like, where they really revealed what happened with Izzy, and it's just really hard we, to talk uh, about. I don't Skipping over six, I feel like um, a lot of important things happened in six. Well, important. Oh, we can, important we kind can, of. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Let's go through six very quickly. Um, I'm trying to remember what happened in six. Do you remember? Uh, Daemon appears. Oh, yes. Certainly. I thought that happened in 7. My bad. 
Yeah. I got the no, order mixed up. No problem. Yes. Damon does appear. This is actually like an entire chapter of almost entirely battling. Yes. Uh, and let's, to mention very briefly, their style of describing battles, uh, it involves a lot of theater of the mind. <laughs> this I skimmed so heavily. I found it so boring. Like, it was like trying, they were trying to write like a Digimon climax episode with a lot of battling, but it just was well, kind of hard to read. Scarcely, it like described anything. There's very little exactly, in the form yeah. of like actual description, let alone any like, um, like similes or metaphors, like any like real, uh, attempts to make yeah, you like, understand what's going on in the world. So, it's just like a Digimon used an attack. They talk about someone going from point A to point B. That person runs from point A to point B. It's all, it's it's mm-hmm. maybe not like quite that bad, but it's all very much concerned with logistics and attack names. Yeah. A lot of like kind of unnecessary detail that felt like a little annoying and intrusive. Um, so they they tell they they explain their battle plan in their own group to each other. Mm-hmm. So that's an explanation to the audience. And then as they're following their battle plan, it follows somewhat, but then a lot of things happen they don't expect. So there's a few corrections, but a lot of it is motion by motion, but not in a very like interesting blocking way. It's more like I don't know. Uh, I wish I, I'm gonna try to find a good example here. Um, oh, actually, this, I just found the part that I hated the most about this chapter, where they, there's a constant, like, actually, the format of this chapter is a constant dialogue over intercom between the humans, mostly the humans, because the Digimon hardly talk, and there's a part where it's like... Um, to be a little bit fair in this chapter, the Digimon are mostly fighting... Yeah. They're engaged in a battle. Not that they shouldn't be talking during that, but it's at least a little bit more understandable. I don't know. Well, let me just read the most <sighs> annoying silly. part, because the part that stuck out to me was, I get what the author's saying here, but they said... Oh my goodness. So like, Are you thinking of the same line that I'm thinking of? In true fashion, Angela Mon and Lady Devimon were having their traditional cat fight. <laughs> Oh, because yeah, that wasn't yeah. the line that I was thinking of. No, uh, there's a line that I hate more than that. But uh, go on, because I mean, this is a I legitimate. I totally point. get what the author's saying, <laughs> because there was a lot of scratching and hair pulling in the original Angela Mon and Lady Debbie Mon fight. Mm. It's definitely something to object to. But why pull that back in? Call it a cat fight. Do all that. Then it goes on. Also in true fashion, Angela Mon was winning. Matt, TK yelled into the headset. It looks like Angela Mon has things under control here. Should I make a run on Damon now? TK turned the mic off and smiled at Kari. If I stick around here too long, I'm going to get a nosebleed. Matt was quick with the response. Go for it, TK. Skull Sadamon's definitely keeping Sora and I occupied for a while. Just don't get Angemon killed. We need him. Roger, TK answered, then held Digivice towards Patamon. We're out of here, Patamon. Patamon, Digivolve to Angemon. Angemon managed to pick TK up despite how much bigger his partner had gotten. Be careful, TK, Kari yelled as she watched the takeoff from the ground. Lady Devimon noticed the commotion. Not so fast, Blackwing. Or, not so fast, Blackwing attack. Angemon easily dodged her attack, and he and TK headed for Infinity Mountain. And it just, like, goes on, like, doesn't that sound boring? Like, it just, it's so boring. I'm sorry it's so boring. Anyway, what were you going to say, Chris? Uh, well, the the thing that the... Possibly one of the worst uh, 
examples, but I don't want, I don't want to be too mean about some of the way that the writing is written, the writing is done, but um, there's like a very weird example of how like opaque the author tries to be sometimes and like I, I suppose this is an attempt at humor. It's not a very good one. Um, the the line in particular is, uh, like, at the beginning of a scene, the full team of 14 sat in Mole's passenger car, except for... And yeah. <laughs> that line is just bad. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, they're referring, and they they the author sort of describes this. Next line is Patamon and Biomon passed out headsets that served as wireless communicators, while Matt and Gatomon stood next to the board displaying a map of the island. So I guess the idea is that they were all in the passenger car, but actually only ten of them were sitting. Two of them were flying, and two of them were standing. <laughs> but that is just trap. such a bad explanation of that. That just doesn't work. And only, only two of them can be in the boat at one time, but one of them eats the other one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the wolf eats the sheep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sheep will eat the cabbage. Exactly. <laughs> so you've got to take the wolf um, and the cabbage across. <laughs> It gets really redundant, it gets boring, and it gets confusing and convoluted. And actually, like, as you were saying that, I looked on a few sentences later and saw this part that's actually, like, super intense, but I feel like the way that they... There's a part during this fight where Kari and Gatamon fall from a very high distance. Gatamon is de-digivolved from... What is her magazine? Magjermon. Which and, I would like to point out, there's... Very, f no, go on, go on, make your point. I'll make this point later. All I wanted to say is that this is a very intense scene because it results in very extreme consequences for both Kari and Gatamon. But the description is um, five seconds later, Magjamon was de digivolving into Gatamon, who was much smaller and much less capable of flying. Ha ha ha, she's about to like really get seriously fucked up. Yeah. Gatamon, Kari fell helplessly, and Gatamon was too wounded to land on her own feet much less help Kari do the same. Another joke, and also a redundant joke, right? Like, it's a joke about her being a cat, but it's still a redundancy of the fact that they are falling. Kari, TK was only able to watch them crash to the ground. And it just... It just feels like there's no significance given to this scene. And, and let me clarify, the result of this scene is that Kari is seriously injured, and Gatumon dies like as in is reborn as a digi egg very serious and yet there's multiple jokes that are super redundant we're, we're getting kind of bogged down in minutiae we, we should probably get through the rest of the story truth yeah uh fair point um effectively the the whole battle as it takes place is the digi destined in takato uh versus daemon's three Lieutenants is Daemon Corps and Daemon himself, uh, of which we've seen the conclusion of what happened with Lady Devimon and uh, Magna, uh, uh, fighting against Magnadramon. Right. Um, I guess, like, we don't really need to go through this beat by beat, but all three of Daemon's core get taken out and Daemon himself eventually does get taken out. In the process, um, while they're the Digidestined are trying to pull Kari, like, unconscious Kari off of the battlefield. Uh, they get attacked by a Gardramon that's been corrupted by 
uh, Daemon's ability, and the only people there are Takato and Vimon. Mm -hmm. And this fairly predictably leads to Takato being put in danger, uh, Vimon digivolving into ex-Vimon using Takato's digivice, uh, and him, you know, thus establishing that Takato can digivolve Digimon that are not his partner, which is the first time this has ever happened in this world. Right. However, that never really becomes relevant except for them to talk about how... I mean, maybe it does in the level two and three, but except for them to talk about how weird that that happened. So that they defeat the bad guy and everybody's happy and they go home, right? And there's... I mean, presumably... (laughs) Some of that happens. (laughs) And this is, yeah, this is where it kind of deviates. And it's funny, too, because they shine the light of their digivices on him like they have done before. But they also have a funny line where they're like, you know, last time we defeated Daemon, it was like... 700,000 people, and now it's just seven people. Well, they and also mentioned that, like, they fight, regularly fight Daemon every, like, five or yeah, t- every, every 10 12 years. years oh, I thought it was the specific mention. Yeah. I thought they said every 10 years. But, oh, I mean, yeah. the, the, they mentioned 12 specifically, and they also reference oh, throughout this chapter back day, to right. the tw- the fight of 27. Which they're referring to the year, I guess, 2027, 2027 yeah. when they fought Daemon, presumably the time before this, which gives us a very specific date for the series. It does, yeah. But it doesn't make any of the other dates make that much sense. But yeah, the only thing Fair I was going to say about that is that their explanation for why they were able to defeat him is that he must have scaled back his power in anticipation of the fact there'd only be seven of us. But he scaled it back down too far. Now next time he's going to be stronger, and it's like, why would he just come full power if he really yeah, that, wants to do um, this thing? Like this whole thing that doesn't make sense. They met, they also mentioned this obliquely um, in reference to uh, th- like that all of the peacekeeping efforts that the Digidestined had done in the last couple of years had been. Digimon corrupted by Daemon's influence, mm-hmm. and that this was somehow Daemon's testing of their power, and that because of that testing of their power, like that sort of influenced how strong he was coming through. But again, like he, there's no reason why he wouldn't be as strong as possible. Yes. Like, that doesn't Um, make any sense. It seems like the author had a really clear sense of what they were going for, but just kind of failed to explain it to the reader a lot of the time, to be honest. Or the author was confused. That's also a possibility. Or their explanation that made such clear sense in their head didn't actually make sense in reality. True. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, Daemon is defeated regardless. Um, We moved into stage seven. There's actually eight stages this entire thing, so... So as a result of the, uh, you know, the denouement of the fight, or denouement of the fight with Daemon is that uh, Kari is intensely injured to the fact where she, to the point where she might be paralyzed and uh, Gadoman is reduced to a digi-egg. So in response to this, in an attempt to help Kari deal with the fact that she might, like, to adapt to the fact that she might be paralyzed, they uh, go and, you know, build ramps into the cabins and go to the steel terminal in order to get the Hagurum on there to construct a wheelchair for her. Right. Um, 
and uh, Takato, Joe, and Matt are largely the ones that go to the... There might, might, there might have been one of the other Digidestinal one with them, but I think it was those three, at least mostly, that went so. to the steel terminal to do this. Um, in the process of waiting for the Hagudruman to construct a wheelchair, uh, Matt goes out and walks around the steel terminal, which from the from chapter five we know is the area that Izzy has been in. Mm-hmm. So uh, Matt runs into Tentomon. Uh, Tentomon tries to run away a bit at first, but um, eventually. Matt asks him to stop and goes to meet with Izzy. Uh, pleads with Tentamon to go to meet with Izzy. Uh, talks to Izzy. Uh, you know, obviously at this point, uh, the reader is aware that there was some bad blood between Izzy and the rest of the characters, but we don't exactly know what it was. Yeah, they've asked about uh, Takato has asked about Izzy a couple times, and he's been blown off every time, pretty much. Yeah. And it becomes clear what that reason was. Um, and I don't remember if it was clarified in that moment. No. I think the first um, thing that was mentioned is the appearance of Takato. Yes. Uh, and when Matt mentions Takato to Izzy, Izzy gets very um, excited about the the prospect of there being another human in the digital world and wants to question him, wants to confirm some of his hypotheses about the way the, the digital world works. Um, Matt seems kind of uh, annoyed at this as a motive, but lets Izzy talk to Takato anyways. Uh, and in the process of the conversation between Takato and Izzy, uh, Izzy mentions the name of both Shibumi, Zhan Yu Wong, and Henry Wong. Uh, and obviously all three of them being characters that Takato knows from the events of Tamers. And this is the first that we have heard a character from Adventure mention any of the characters that happen to be in Tamers. Yes. Kind of a reverse of what we've been experiencing in a certain way, which is TK having written characters in fictional works that have the same names as Takato and people he knows. Now we see someone from Adventure referencing real people that have shared relationships that appear to be the same people and of the same age. Mm-hmm. Drawing in a lot of further questions, in my opinion. But, yeah, he knows Henry. Uh, Izzy knew Henry and his daughter, apparently, were kind of, when they were like six years old, they used to make jokes that they would be romantically connected. And it's just never fully explored, but it's really interesting. Yeah. um, This is the point at Mm. which all of those questions that we've had from basically back in Chapter 3 that all of the characters should have been asking to one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, all throughout this thing. They actually start getting asked now. At least some of them do. And, uh, I mean, that's a a bit refreshing. It only took, you know, two years of in-universe time. Right. And And the introduction of another character. Why did that not happen? But, yeah, when Izzy discovers that connection, too, he implies that he also worked with um, Zhang Yu and, like, and Shibumi and those folks. 
and there's like a really funny point where he's like, um, he talks about, oh, shoot. Oh yeah, he assumes that Takato much must have got his digivice from like Jean Yu or from Shibumi, right? Like from the, one of yes, those people. The, that's actually what kicks off uh, him mentioning the name of Shibumi is that yeah. apparently the D arc bears a resemblance to a prototype digivice that mm-hmm. he and Shibumi came up with, or the monster makers, at least the monster makers that Izzy knows came up with. Yes. And that Izzy was, like, also involved with them on several projects as well. Yeah, that he was effectively one of them. One of them, yeah. Which isn't implied Which doesn't, at all in Tamers. Yes, that doesn't fit with doesn't the really track history. in any way, because Izzy knew Digimon before Digimon were created, and the Monster Makers created Digimon. So none of this tracks with the original series. But, okay. Yes, and I don't think it's necessarily supposed to. I think we're supposed to find this to be suspicious for a variety of reasons. Everything but, has been so far, so there we go. But yeah, it's, I mean, like, it does lend itself at least some evidence towards one conclusion over another. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't really, it really does fail in any way to um, fully narrow down the possibilities, but it does increase the probability that some of the explanations are more likely than others. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> This is the explanation we're given, but Izzy seems a little disappointed when he realizes that Takato's Digivolve vice came from somewhere that he did not completely expect. It seems like he had a theory put together and it's all kind of shattered. And we move on from that. What's our next plot point from that? Um, it's effectively into Izzy wants to come back and join... Ah. with all of the characters yes. in the camp, mostly for the purpose of talking to Takato further. Right. But, um, and this is where we get into... Well, I thought, like, of all the things in this fanfiction, like, all the darkness that this fanfiction has, I felt was the truly, like, the hardest part. I mean, for once I explain it, will be very obvious, but... I want to preface with the fact that, like, what holds true for me for Digimon is, like, childhood relationships with true partners that are purely friends that cannot be, like, a sexual or romantic relationship in any way. It's just pure friendship, the partners with their Digimon. And yet, we get this fanfiction writer describing a lot of failed relationships, failed marriages. We get Izzy lost his wife. And apparently, and it's a little unclear, after that, tried to assault Kari. Like, sexually assault Kari. There is explicitly described a hug and then a forced kiss and then this idea of something ambiguous that happened thereafter that no one fully knows the details of. And that is why Izzy was exiled from the community. And this... Um, We do also get the line that something happened and then Kari put a stop to it. Yes, and then Kari put a stop. I cannot describe how much this bothers me. Like, of any media that someone could do this to, like, this is the most pure media of, like, complete friendship to me. It hurts me personally that the author made this a part of it. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah, I mean, my comment 
on it, uh, and this is a bit subdued relative to that, but in a fan fiction of vastly out-of-character moments, that is by far way beyond out of character compared to everything else that happens. Yeah, it's not like you could imagine any Digimon character, like, doing that in any way, but, like, also Izzy, of all people, like, serious, like, why? I don't know. It's just a why moment to me. I don't want to linger too heavily on it. I think I've described my criticism, but that is the case. And so then there is a vote on whether Izzy is going to be able to be re-allowed into the group. Ikari has her own personal opinion. It's not stated explicitly what that is, but it's stated that it's been clear for years what her actual opinion is. And so there is a vote. And everyone does vote. I think most people vote in favor. Everyone votes in favor. Everyone votes in favor. And then it says again, Kari holds the explicit opinion that she's always held. And I think the implication was that she's always forgiven him, actually. But I don't know for sure. I feel like we super fucked up if she was the one who was like, he's out, and everyone else was like, he's in. But I think it's implied that she has forgiven him. But it is kind of brushed off with the excuse that he was mourning the loss of his wife, and that's just ain't no excuse, y'all. And... I want to forgive the author a little, like, it's personal to me and it really hurts me, but I don't think the author really understood what they were doing with this. If they did, I would hate the author, but I I don't think they really understand what this is. I think they were using it for dramatic effect and they didn't understand. That is the opinion I'm choosing to hold. Honestly, a lot of the way that the author talks about the romantic relationships of the characters is at least off-putting to me. I mean, obviously, this is yeah. a romantic relationship, but like the way that the characters think about sex and how they relate to other people is just very strange and doesn't track at all with like no. certainly how I think about it. But no, it just not, like they it were... doesn't seem like it's in character again. No. Like it's again even less in character for these characters than anything else. Well, it's just kind of weird to, like, grow these children up and then have the focus of their lives be, like, really bad romantic and traumatic sexual relationships. Like, I guess they could have done worse, but it just kind of feels like the author might have been trying to go for something adult without fully, like, understanding what they were doing. Like, that's the thing I take away. I don't know for sure, but... So what happens in Chapter 8, then? Well, um... Izzy, now that he's talked with Takato a bit and learned more about what's going on, uh, he brings up the idea to Takato and to the rest of the Digidestin that he might be able to send Takato back to the real world. And, uh... I don't know, anyone else want to go into the... I mean, that's basically it. I haven't read this one. (laughs) There's, um... I mean, that's it. Like, Izzy kind of figures out how to send Takata back. And it's explained that for some reason Takata can cross the barrier, but they're not really sure why he can cross the barrier, because, like, most portals are closed. But Takato is the one that can cross them. Well... Right? It's... St- no, it's stated that um, the portals to the digital world are closed, but that's not particularly why 
the digi destined that are there can't get back. Mm. It's because they're there right. as chosen ones, and because they're chosen, they're digi destined. They are bound there by their Digimon and their Digivices, which is a very like sort of loose explanation and doesn't have a lot yeah. of traction. But yeah. um, because Takato is a tamer and therefore is not doesn't have like a destiny in the digital world, uh, he can cross the barrier assuming they can open a gate. And although the barrier the the gates have been closed, uh, they can open one by effectively forming a destiny stone and then breaking it. Yes. So they basically proceed to do that. I mean, I think there's a little tension within Takato whether he really wants to go back to the real world. Yeah. I think that that was probably the most interesting this writing ever got is that uh, Takato asks all of the different Digidestined whether he whether they think he should go back. Yes. And they all have disparate opinions on how he should live his life and what he should do, but largely they agree that, I mean, he should make his own choice and that they're not going to, to stop him from living the best life he can and that they, you know, like they all have relatively uplifting and hopeful messages for him, which is at least more in character for these people than anything else they've said so far. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. So they're like, go back, live your life, live a real life, like your only kid. And so he does. Uh, they open the portal, he goes through it, and he ends up on the other side of the portal. In March 2038. Yes. In a very, like, there's actually, like, a specific line about, like, what sort of TV came out of and it had, like, a four terabyte hard drive in it. Like, something that the author thought was futuristic, which I thought was really funny. Um, it literally said, like, the TV had a four terabyte hard drive. Anyway, he comes out and he's in a circuit city in America. And at first he doesn't really realize where he is. But he talks to the employee, Dwayne. And this was a really funny moment to me, too, as well. Because, like, it doesn't really say, like, where, like, what language Takato is speaking. Yeah. But Dwayne... <laughs> doesn't realize that Takato's Japanese, or, like, does, or I don't even know. Takato's like, where am I? And it's, like, a circuit city, and you see the sign up front, and then Dwayne says something like, oh, you came through the from the digital world. Well, we're not really supposed to talk about the digital world. Well, Takato mentions that he came from the di- digital world. Yes. Dwayne, was, yeah, Dwayne is like, we're not supposed to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we're not supposed to talk about that. It's okay well, with me. Yeah, it's okay with me. And so everybody just, knows about it, just don't talk about it. Yeah. But he's literally in... He's like... Uh, Takato says, like, I'm from... Where, is he from Shibuya? Shinjuku. Shinjuku, sorry. And Dwayne raises an eyebrow. That's in Jersey? No, Tokyo. Yeah. And then it said, Japan, wow. Um, well, it's like, Japan, wow. Wouldn't Takato be speaking Japanese when he came through the portal? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I think that is the least of the plot holes in the series. I guess. <laughs> Eat your jelly donuts. <laughs> so confusing. So, yeah. Dwayne's boss comes by and he's like, this is my cousin. And I'm going to take care of him. And then he actually does. 
He yeah, takes this, uh, Takato into his home this and is like, guy. let's have a good life together. No, this Dwayne guy is really suspicious. Like, yeah, that's super suspicious. Like, what the hell? Dwayne's well, really blasé it's about also, the whole thing. It's also mentioned right before the Takato goes through the, the gate to the real world that someone hacked the connection. Uh, that the character from the chat message back in chapter four going by the name Archangel... Mm. Uh, was, uh, you know, hacked into the connection and might have redirected the exit portal and might even be this Dwayne character. Who the hell knows? Good point. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> I still yeah. don't understand why Takato doesn't find this guy super yeah. suspicious. So That's a bit Can odd. I just... Can I just read right here? Like, this... I think this deserves a reading. Go for it. Takata was amazed. The first person he met was willing to help him without asking many questions either. Dwayne did bring up one note of caution. Just, uh, don't go around saying anything about the digital world. I'm cool with it, but there's a lot of people around here who still have a problem with it. Finally, Dwayne extended a hand. So, do we have a deal? Takata shook the outstretched hand with a disbelieving smile. I don't know what to say. How about, thank you, Dwayne, for your kind and generous offer. Takata was truly thankful. Once again, he leaped before fully looking. And once again, take the note, he leaped before fully looking. Yeah, that's cautionary, right? And once again, a kind stranger was willing to take him in. He would take Dwayne up on the offer. He would find a job and go back to school and start over again. Like, yo, that's fully sus right there. Just gotta say. So we we all agree that Dwayne's the best character of this fanfic? I think Dwayne is truly, like, gonna be the worst, to be honest. I think Dwayne's, like, some sort of, like, evil virus Digimon in disguise. <laughs> like, not gonna lie. But as a character that actually talks like an actual person, they're, they're mm. probably the best of this fanfic. True that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Were there any characters that didn't have any lines? A lot of the Digimon. Digimon. Ah, right. They were the best characters. Because I could at least assume that they were in character when they weren't on screen. So, (laughs) the ending is is really like, I guess I'll give the last few lines. It's a very hopeful note, which really doesn't seem in continuity with the rest of this, which is very unnecessarily dark. Also, when we're mentioning the end here, we should probably mention the finale that we get before that amongst the Digidestined, where... They at, right after Takato leaves, they all wonder about Izzy's keeping secrets, and it's clear that he still knows something that they don't. Right. Oh. Correct. And in response yes. to this, we get the line: Izzy sighed and gave them the direct answer. Before he arrived here, Takato Matsuki did not exist. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> Which seems relevant point. to the plot, although how it's this hard works to into the explanation of how all of the pieces fit together. Maybe they should have talked about it more. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably. Then not at all. <laughs> Seems right. Or, you know, like, Izzy clearly knows something. I mean, I guess for the sake of a cliffhanger, as long as it's explained that eventually. lends more credence to them being completely different universes, though, I think. Yeah, so to talk about that briefly, like... Because well, uh, of a lot of the things that, that seem like discrepancies between the universes, and they do very briefly mention that virtual worlds other than uh, just the digital world can exist, 
uh, at least in the the future of adventure. Honestly, they don't give enough clues to really be certain about anything, but as far as I'm concerned, that seems like, you know, like, given the pieces that we have, that seems like probably the most likely explanation is that there is a virtual world, a simulated reality, which is sort of based on the reality from adventure, but with some changes, like mm-hmm. people don't know about the digital world and that sort of thing. And it's got its own construct of a digital world. And that's why some characters like the Digidestin don't show up in that world, but it was like a an offshoot, right? Or maybe from a certain it, period in time. Or, or maybe the digital world is a conduit between two different dimensions or something. That's, yeah, I mean, that that's more the, like, canon explanation is that it's a conduit <laughs> between different dimensions. But, I mean, like, even in this, there would still be Takato passing from that simulated reality into the digital world and then back into the the original real world. Right. Tori, you wanted to read the last couple lines? Oh, yeah. I was just going to share the funny part of the ending here. Perhaps someday he, he, Takato, would share his digital adventures with the rest of the world. Someday he would find the families of the Chosen and tell them that their mother, father, husband, or wife was safe and send his or her best wishes. That was in the distance, however. Right now, he had more urgent challenges to overcome and a new life to begin. Takato followed Dwayne into a taxi which sped towards the apartment. Dwayne smiled. It was official. Takato had found his new home. So, <laughs> what are you up to, Dwayne? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this first of all, hell of sus, right? And then you get the thread of Takato's beginning journey, in which the author, for some reason, kills his parents to his ending journey after suffering for two years in the digital world, in which he finds a supposed home immediately with a stranger he just met in a circuit city after jumping out <laughs> of a digital portal. Is circuit city still even open anymore? <laughs> Well, that's, this fan fiction is not cutting it. <laughs> Contemporary fan fiction, Tom. Anyway, yeah, that's how it ends. And I felt like that was the first, like, funny, like, ironic beat of this fan fiction where it was like, that's how you expect Digimon to end. Is like, there's some hope for the future. Like, Tamers ended with, like, perhaps I'm going to see my friend after all. Like, get back to the digital world. But this feels really suspicious. And it... The only reason, you know, that's the ending. We'll give it a moment. <sighs> but it really epitomizes this fan fiction to me because it feels ironic. It felt like the author sought to take the everything that was Digimon and, like, flip it on its head. Make everybody suspicious. Make everybody bad in some way. Like, take away those parts. Like, it felt like they sought to seek a different genre of Digimon. Yeah, in the author's note of chapter one, it says, don't worry, y'all, it's not angst-fict, but it was angsty all the way out, all the way throughout. I mean, all the relationships were kind of terrible. There wasn't any hopeful problem. The last two lines you just read there were the most hopeful thing of the whole fic. And yet they were suspicious. I mean, I'd argue that those two lines were incredibly suspicious. The most hopeful it got was when the adventure characters were telling Takato to, you know, live a good life. Right. (laughs) But still, I mean, like, that was a couple of conversations out of eight chapters. I mean, starting off with chapter one, where it's like uh, his parents die, his girlfriend leaves him, his dog runs away. I mean, it's a full country song. (laughs) Gilman is not a dog. (laughs) 
I mean, Hawkins dinosaur runs away. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to that country song. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, like, to be honest, Amato doesn't know shit about Digimon. <laughs> Amato, what, what? I love you, Amato. We I'm love so you, Amato. sorry you're not here. Not but for this, though. <laughs> we love Digimon because it is pure and lighthearted. This is fucking nonsense, y'all. I don't know about pure. I guess, like, in a, in a certain sense. But it's not, like, I guess relative to this. Okay, <laughs> yes. I mean, like, I get it's it. not like not it's a, a horrifyingly, like, false version of reality in which all of the terrible nastiness is taken out, especially not in Tamers. But, yeah. uh, like, the people in it mm-hmm. have this tendency, because, like, this is the the way that a plot of, of a Digimon s- story goes, is a character will encounter some turmoil that where their current self is unable to face it. They will grow as a person. Because they grow as a person, they are able to make their Digimon Digivolve, and then plot is resolved. But it's like pure friendship. That's what Digimon is. But yeah, I mean, like, it ends... It It is a story which is, to me at least, largely about character development, because basically every story beat that happens is character development for some of the characters. I think that there's a lot to that. I mean... In the uh, first series, when um, Ty goes into a bad character development, the Digimon then digivolves into a, the bad version of the Digimon. So it's all about them growing as people together w- with the Digimon. Correct. I mean, and and that's an actually really good point to bring up is that like what Ty like Ty Chi realizes is the pain and suffering he's caused his Digimon partner. Mm-hmm through his own bad actions, through his own, like, and literally his bad actions are wanting to force Agumon to digivolve out of pride. So it's, a like, an amazing realization of through pride, like, through self-centeredness, I can cause someone else to, to suffer. Like, that's to me, the idea of Digimon is being beholden to a partner who is not a romantic partner, like, this story has a lot of romantic relationships or, like, anything like that. It's someone who is just, like, connected to you in a loving way and that the love affects you. So we've (laughs) talked a lot about what we didn't like throughout. So let's end on something more upbeat, more positive, more hopeful, more Digimon. (laughs) Does anybody have something they'd like to share? So something not this fan fiction. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hearing. Here. Let's be let's be better than that. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> Should I start? Please. Yeah, I mean, you were just saying something. I think would be good. Yeah. Um, as like as much as I dislike how the characters are generally portrayed in this, and it's not good. There were occasionally some interactions which really did feel like those characters. As long as you like take them out of the context of all the other things that happened. Um, Like, in Chapter 5, there's a conversation between Takato and Joe where they're going to cut firewood and Joe's talking about how you can cut down one tree in a forest and if you cut down the right tree, it will cause the whole forest to to prosper more. Uh, And 
then he looks at the tree that he's been staring at for a little while and walks into it and walks out of it and like, oh no, this is a hollow tree. We better pick a different one. And plus also we need firewood. And that like struck me as a little bit amusing and like it fit with what I think of as Joe's personality is like he's a, an intensely practical person who focuses on what's in front of him. But sort of like as growth throughout the series, he is and like maybe a bit of extrapolation into the future of his character growth. He's focusing on like larger issues rather than like being solely focused on what's right in front of him. Mm -hmm. uh, and that seemed good in isolation outside of everything else. Uh, and like I said previously, I also did like uh, the few conversations that Takato had with the adventure characters right before he left where um, they wish him well and they tell him sort of their philosophy on how he should live a good life. Um, and they have some, like, honestly, you know, not like incredibly profound, but certainly like somewhat insightful things to say. Like uh, TK talks about how um, everyone sort of has a, a book of their experiences. He makes a reference to Frontier. Uh, but largely it's about uh, people having this book of their experiences and you, you can do uh, one of three things with that book. You can either throw it away and never rely on those past experiences and treat everything as something new. You can become a slave to the book and everything just has to line up with the experience. And if something isn't uh, exactly like things that have happened to you in the past, you'll be entirely lost. Or you can start writing new chapters into the book. You can look at your, observe your environment and change and ad adapt new experiences into yourself. And I mean, like, that's more what I expect out of a story which is supposed to largely be about the growth and development of characters. <laughs> mm -hmm. Tori? Yeah, I mean... You know, I, I agree with that, and I also think that there is a lot to admire in what the author attempted here, an attempt to unite all of these, actually four seasons, because they do reference Frontier a few times, into one. It's quite a big attempt. The fact that I don't fully understand what they were going for it may be a byproduct of me not having read levels two and three, which are a full part of this. Um, and I want to give them, like, a little bit of leeway for the fact that I didn't read what they intended to be more of a reuniting factor. I feel like they built a lot into this, and I would be interested to see where it goes. I also appreciate that they tried to give the characters adult identities. Well, I don't always agree that those identities fit the characters that I saw. They tried to give them adult experiences... And I think that that's more than a lot of other authors would have done, is to attempt to give them, you know, the darkness in that. Like, with TK, he talks about... Takato asks TK, like, why didn't you build all of the, like, the bad experiences you had into the book that became the anime, quote-unquote? And they reveal that, like, TK's like, nobody wants to hear about all the times we lost or were defeated. And I actually think that's kind of real. Like... 
to say, yes, we did lose and we were defeated is a real thing. And they, they tried to create realism. I don't know if it was fully successful, but I felt like that was a valiant attempt on their part. Honestly, I felt like a lot of the adult experiences took away a lot of the individuality of the characters, but I see what you mean. I see what you like. I see how it was admirable what was being gone for, like what was being attempted. Yeah, again, <laughs> it was a big attempt. I don't know if they succeeded, but I appreciate the attempt. No, I, I really appreciate I how they try to. Um, it, it's a very geeky and very lovable thing to try to combine different universes of something that could be in the same universe and try to write your way around that. It's a very interesting um, creative exercise, and I appreciate the attempt to, to get into, uh, to to try that. Mm-hmm. Also, I, something that kind of charmed me, which is something that's unique to like fan fiction specifically, is um, author notes at the end of every chapter. Mm. And I appreciate that sort of thing because I always... A part of me always wonders about the creator of something. When I'm appreciating mm. some sort of work, like a like a painting or a song or a story. I was wondering what the creator's going through in that in that process. Yeah. And nothing like author's notes at the end of every chapter to be indicative of what the creator's going through at that moment. It just seems kind of especially necessary in this particular work. But I appreciate that they acknowledged that it was. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. the author's notes added a lot to it to me. I was, like, really confused. And I read the author's note and I'd be like, I'm a little less confused. So they were definitely sensitive in that way, yeah. Okay. Well, this was episode 31 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. The Connection, Level 1, Worlds, by A.R. Pulver. R. Pulver, maybe. You can find a copy of this fanfic at bit.ly slash rfrworlds. Be sure to join us next week for our exciting fanfic we're going to read. It's going to be a selection of fanfics from a series called Cat Tales, which is about Catwoman. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, That sounds good. Why didn't you invite me out for that one? (laughs) Because we're already having Oh, sorry. We're out of time. (laughs) (laughs) You can find our link to that at bit.ly slash RFR cattails. I'm I'm sorry. I'm trying to read this bloody note left by a modem, but there's a lot of bodily fluid on. I'm trying to... You say, like, what are you, what? Like, literally bloody? Are you pretending to be English? I'm so confused. No, literally bloody. There's blood on the note. Don't yeah, I mean, you're saying that, but I just don't <laughs> believe you because you're looking at an iPad. So we're going to be reading a selection of different chapters from different points in the series. We're going to be reading um, the first couple, A Girl's Gotta Protect Her Reputation and Normal, and then Fun and Games, which is a standalone part of the early series, and then Polishing Silver, which is... A representative of the middle stories and then we're going to start on the gotham rogues which we'll see how far any of us get into that actually <laughs> the weekly song is off the album Pulpy's incredible adventure by komiku the outro song is run against the universe from the same album you can find that album and other works by komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com you have comments or questions about the show you can leave comments at the podbean website at retro fanficretrospective.podbean.com or you can email us at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com My name's Tori I'm Dom And I'm Chris We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other and maybe some Digimon if we find them Hey, speak for yourself Totally a Digimon (laughs) Until next time, take care Peace out
let's put a hat on it and put it to bed. <laughs> Which is an expression nobody uses. I would like to go to bed. <laughs> but would you like to go to bed in a hat? <laughs> Depends on what sort of hat it is. I guess that's true. <laughs> Sleeping cap. No. Oh, there you go. I like a sombrero. It's a little bit hard to like Sombrero fit is the Spanish word for hat. So. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a, hat. Uh, a hat style hat. How about one of those Australian hats that has the uh, corks hanging up in front of it on strings? I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, keep, 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 respect. The, keep, the, keep the flies away from your face. Corks? Did you say corks? Yeah, corks on strings hanging from the brim of the hat. Like like corks for a while, or like the particles that form the foundation? No, like the bartender from Beast Space Nine. No, no, the, the ones <laughs> from, nine, from, from, from wine, yeah. <laughs> huh. Seems unlikely. 